Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Anastasia Glova. It's a slow week in Washington as everyone celebrates the holidays and rings in the new year. But for those of you listening this week, I'm featuring the best of Cato Daily Podcast. Each day until the new year, tune in for one of Cato's finest previously aired podcast commentaries. Barack Obama, the affable junior senator from Illinois, is emerging as one of the leading contenders for a presidential bid in 2008. Last month, New York Times columnist David Brooks penned a column urging the senator to run, Barack, run. What's the appeal that makes Barack popular not just among Democrats, but across the spectrum? Cato's managing editor of Regulation magazine, Tom Fiery, asked himself this question in a recent Cato at Liberty blog post. He's our guest for today's podcast. What do you make of all this Barack fever sweeping the nation? Well, everyone's certainly excited about it. I'm not really sure what to make of it. I guess in part we have this unknown person. But, you know, he showed up on the national scene, showed up with a lot of celebration. And, and as I kind of referred to in my post, he's almost like a Rorschach inkblot test. We look at him. We don't have any defined conception of what he believes. He really hasn't said very much about what he believes, or at least not enough that people know it. So we look at him and we kind of see ourselves. We've done this before with other presidents, right? So I guess maybe this is another case of that. You think he's a contender for 2008? If only by default. I mean, there's only really one other major contender on the horizon for the Democrats right now, and that's Hillary Rodham Clinton. And of course, she brings with her tremendous baggage. People either really like her or really despise her. Somewhat unfairly, I think. I'm amazed at how radical people are in their views of her. But as far as from a national perspective, maybe that's really not the type of candidate you want. I mean, the Republicans, I don't think, would want to run a George Bush again because he's so polarizing. And then the Democrats would kind of have that attitude about Hillary Clinton. So here they have this fresh face, this person who has a buzz about him and who doesn't carry that baggage. So maybe we'll see, but maybe there'll be a little bit of momentum, at least at the start, over Obama. So you think of all the potential contenders, he's the most likely? I've always been amazed how at this stage, two years out, you can never predict who's going to be the presidential candidate of either party. I mean, who are we thinking of was going to be the candidate for the Democrats back in 2002 for 2004? I don't think Kerry was anywhere on the radar. The only reason Gore was there in 98 was because he was the VP. But, you know, Reagan kind of came out of nowhere. George Bush, the first, came out of nowhere. W kind of came out of nowhere. Obviously, Carter came out of complete nowhere way back if you go back that far. So a lot of this handicapping this far out is kind of like sports announcers who try to pick the NCAA champion in basketball in October. They don't know. We don't know. But Obama at least seems to have a little bit of pre-race buzz. What do you make of Brock's appeal to libertarian voters? That's the most baffling thing that I can come up with. I was talking to one very ardent, card-carrying libertarian a few days ago who was all excited about Obama and was saying things about, you know, you thought Obama would look kindly on things like private accounts and et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't know. I didn't know at all. So I, I just started poking around on Obama's website and came across the speech I cite in my blog post. And I'm like, hmm, this doesn't sound particularly libertarian. And I looked up some other things as well. I, you know, I found a speech he gave on energy independence. And of course, energy independence is a complete joke of a term, a complete joke of a notion. And yet he's saying the standard things that every politician on both sides of the aisle say here in D.C. They think there's a string in their back and you just pull the string and they say, oh, yes, we need energy independence and blah, 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 blah. Doesn't sound like a particularly open-minded guy. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just saying the sort of things you're supposed to say in this town. But at least right now, he sounds every bit as much a politician as every other one of these guys. Given his views on privatized pensions and health savings accounts, I really don't get the appeal. 
I know. The term he used in the speech was that anyone who believes in these things obviously is a social Darwinist and that you just want to kick the poor and kick the sick and all those people under the train and let the train roll over them. And of course, that's a nonsense. Anyone who honestly believes that is either not a thoughtful person or is a very ignorant person. Now, I definitely don't think Obama is an ignorant person. So he's either not thoughtful or he's just playing it. And either of those cases is very disappointing and completely contrary to what everyone is saying about him. Do you think he's a sincere politician or has he already bought into the Washington culture and is just milking the good guy image for all it's worth? I guess I'm going to extend some principle of charity and hope that he was just mouthing words that you're supposed to mouth and, and that maybe he is every bit the thoughtful guy that David Brooks says in his New York Times column of October 19th. But he better start showing it. He better start showing us the money or showing us the thoughtfulness because right now all I see is someone who looks thoughtful when he's interviewed, but then the words don't seem to back that up. If you enjoyed this program, Consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional, one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.